As we've been working through our Off the Map series, looking at the tools that God gives us to fulfill his mission, we've been talking about our backpack that we've been carrying with us to carry all these tools on the mission Off the Map. And the tool that I want to be talking about today is the tool of faith. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11 is sometimes called the faith chapter because it shows how many who have gone before us in faith also walked without seeing where they were going or what they'd have to walk through along the way. Hebrews 11 shows us that walking in faith has always been walking off the map, trusting the one who calls us. Hebrews 11 starts with this definition of what faith is. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then in verse 11, it teaches us that faith is always relational. It says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That tells us that we can't separate having faith with the one that you're trusting because faith always points to what or who is at the center of our hope the one who is guiding us through this wilderness. So in our backpack of tools then, faith is like a compass. It keeps us pointed toward the one where our hope is found, our true north. It keeps us moving toward him, following one step at a time. So if someone tells you that they have faith, the most important follow-up question to that is, in who or in what? Because our faith is only as good as the trustworthiness of the one our faith is in. Faith sets our direction. And not all directions lead to the source of living water that we need. A good compass makes all of the difference in the wilderness. So our faith is like a compass. But if you've ever used a compass before, you might know that the way that the compass sets is that it it tones into the magnetic pole of the earth. But if there is a strong magnet nearby, you can register a false north, that the compass will be influenced by that strong influence right next to it. And the same is true in our lives. Sometimes there are forces in this world, people, pressures, influences, and they can confuse our direction of where our lives should follow, and if possible, misdirect us from the true voice of our eternal shepherd. And when that happens, just like when you're using an earthly compass, there is the same corrective step that we need to take. If you're using a compass and you can tell that something is influencing it, the very first thing you have to do is identify what is pulling the needle away. And then you need to intentionally take a step back away from those influences in order to allow the compass to reset, to to feel again the magnetic pull of the earth and realign itself. And the same is true with us. In our lives of faith, when we start to feel like our compass needle is getting pulled in all different directions, we need that same corrective step to take a step back and to quiet our hearts and with the word of God and in prayer, listen to the eternal voice of our good shepherd to reset the compass of our lives back to him. And we know that we can trust the voice of Jesus among all the other voices in the world, not just because Jesus says we can, but because in his actions he has proven his faithfulness to God and to us for our good. In John 10, 8 through 15, Jesus says, All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. 
I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. We know that we can trust the voice of Jesus because his faithfulness cost him everything. We have faith in him because the one who calls us is faithful. The generic secular version of have faith, on the other hand, tends to be just a call to generally be trusting of everything. And unfortunately, in this broken world, that kind of have faith is not a good idea. Jesus told his disciples, in fact, that we are to be as wise as serpents and as gentle as doves. Be gentle, be kind, but don't be fooled because there are a whole lot of things and people, unfortunately, that you absolutely should not trust because they don't have your good at heart. And this, too, is nothing new under the sun. A few years back in at Sample, Senior Adult Ministry, Pray, Learn, Eat, we had a representative come from the police department to talk about phone and internet scammers, and it was actually pretty discouraging because there are tons of them out there. And case in point, a while back, some of you might have gotten an email from someone pretending to be Pastor Darren who was asking you for gift cards. And then again, in July, a scammer also sent out emails pretending to be Pastor Darren. And since it happened to be a slow day, Dan Lugo decided to have a little fun with the scammer to see if he could figure out uh, the actual scam that fake Darren was trying to pull. And so the following is a true and faithful transcript of their conversation, typos and all, presented in theatrical form for your enjoyment and to give you a feel for the voice of a false shepherd. So playing the part of the fake Darren scammer is actual Darren, who is playing the villain role. And the role of Dan will be played by himself, although please note, actual Dan is much smarter than this. So are we ready, players? We are ready. Mm -hmm. Okay. Presenting the voice of the fake shepherd and the uncorrallable sheep. It's 9 o'clock on a July morning. An email comes across the desk of Dan Lugo, claiming to be from senior pastor Darren Vick, but actually, dun-dun-dun, from an imposter. The fake Darren lays the trap. Do you have a moment? I have a request. I need you to handle discreetly. I am currently busy in a prayer meeting. No calls, so just reply to my email. Sorry for the delay. How can I help? Great. Here is what I want you to do for me, because I'm a little busy right now. I have been working on incentives, and I aimed and surprised some of my diligent staffs with gift cards this week. 
This should be confidential until they all have the gift cards. And it's a surprise. And you will keep one for yourself, too. Can you get this done now? I am in favor of incentivizing our diligent staffs. Confidentiality is a must, and everyone loves surprises. We should try to get this done now. Are you still in your prayer meeting? Yes. I need five quantity of Amazon gift card, $100 value on each, total $500. You should get them at Target, CVS, 7-Eleven, or any local store around you. After you get them, scratch off the back and take a clear picture of each card and send them to me on here now. Please keep the physical cards and receipt for reference purpose. I will reimburse you when we see each other. God bless. I have no problem with the amount, though I'm curious with Amazon, since you had decided last month we should boycott them and use local vendors instead. Why the sudden change of heart? I agree with you, but you can get the cards at any local store around you now. Okay, well, I'm on my way to CVS. You recall, I do not have a church card. Can you send me your card number so I can purchase them and submit the documentation? I have a little time, just not the church card. The diligent staffs will be so glad, what with the fires and all. This will be a relief. Sure. Uh, try to get it with your cash. I promise to reimburse you when we see each other. I'll try the ATM. Curious, with only five cards, who won't get one? Uh, last time we forgot someone, it almost split the church. Should I get six? Also, can I get a ride tomorrow morning? Sure, but I want you to get five now. Five cards, or do you want me to, do you want to get me at five? And it's easier just to get six cards to save trips. Sounds good. Okay, get the six card. Sounds good. I can only get $200 out of the ATM, so I'll have to drive to another ATM. And why the pictures? I could just give them to you on Sunday, or if you give me a ride, I can give them to you then. Okay, thanks. Get the card with the $200, then send me the pictures of the cards on here now. Okay, I will do that. After I get the others, no problem. Who will get the first one? And are you picking me up tomorrow? It wasn't clear from before, and I'd rather not ride the bus again after the fires and all. Yeah, I know who to surprise first with the card. Okay, just do what I ask you to do now. Okay, I will. I'm excited. I got the next two cards, but I need to find another ATM. Seriously, though, are you planning to pick me up tomorrow or not? I'm not sure why you're not giving me a straight answer. Yes. I'm coming to pick you up tomorrow. Try to get the cards now, okay? Awesome, thanks. So if you're picking me up, should I just give them to you when I see you tomorrow? I got the last money, so I'm going to the last store. And who's getting the first card? I'm super curious. Do you have the card now? If you do, send them to me on here now. Cool, cool. As soon as I get the last two, I will. Hey, what are you up to tonight? Wanna hang out? When you have them, text me on here now. I have them. You said eBay, right? Just send me the image of the cards you get now. I'm working on it. My camera isn't working right now. I'll restart it and try again. Also, I'm not going to send them until you tell me I'm your favorite employee. <laughs> Thanks. You are. Wait, wait. No one was copied on the email. I need proof. Oh, send the cards you have with you now. All right, all right. I scratched off the things, but I still can't get my camera to work. The next day. 
Why the heck didn't you pick me up this morning? That's messed up. I don't know. And since you couldn't handle my request successfully... That's not very pastoral. Thank you. <laughs> End scene. Thank you very much, players. <laughs> so I couldn't quite tell if that was Italian or Transylvanian or what. <laughs> uh, but you almost are a little sorry for the scammer by the time you're done, right? <laughs> so the point of that, of course, is to let you hear the voice of the scammer, to hear what that sounds like, increasingly desperate, right, to get what he wants, and to also remind you that in all areas of life, there are voices out there who are seeking to deceive us. That we need to learn to discern, not just to react to the name that's presented to us, but to learn to recognize the heart behind the words that we hear. Because Jesus warned us there will be false shepherds claiming to be him in this world. So we need to know the heart of our true shepherd among the imposters claiming to speak in Jesus' name. So how do we learn to identify Jesus' true voice? Well, when we pull back and let our compass set back to true north, an important part of that process is to immerse ourselves in Scripture, to learn to listen to Jesus' voice first in the Word, so we can also learn to recognize it in the world. And early on in our Off the Map series, we talked about how we do this, by learning Christ in Scripture and then listening for his voice in our daily lives. And so we learn to step back first and listen before we take a step forward. And we all know that all human agencies are flawed. None of them are perfect because no people are perfect. And obviously, we can't walk away from everything imperfect or we'd have to leave the world forever. <laughs> But thankfully, the Lord can and does use imperfect people for his good. We need to learn to listen for where Jesus' voice is calling us to follow in and among all the imperfect voices as we seek to follow him faithfully. But discerning his voice among all others takes developing familiarity through time spent with Jesus in the word and in prayer. And that's how we begin to see the bigger kingdom picture of what Jesus is building, what his voice sounds like. And that's something that we need to develop even when we're engaging scripture. When we study the word, just as we listen in the world, context is always important. So for an exercise today, I'd like to read two verses of scripture and I want you to imagine if these were the only things that you knew about Jesus, what conclusions you might jump to about what faith is. So this is from Luke 17, 5 through 6. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Now, if that was all that you knew about Jesus, what might you think about faith? You might think, A, that faith is about the ability to supernaturally move physical items by command. You might think, B, that God evaluates our faith by how much we can use God's power to do flashy things that impress the world. Or C, you might think that the mission that Jesus is giving his people to do in the world is to plant orchards of mulberry trees in the ocean. Thankfully, none of those is Jesus' point. <laughs> For in order to understand what Jesus' point is, we need to back up a little more, give a little space to let the compass needle set toward his kingdom vision. 
Because if you look at the context of Luke 17, you will see there is a reason why the disciples cry out for more faith. It's because Jesus has just told them and us that we need to forgive everyone who asks for our forgiveness and repents, even if they sin against us seven times in a day. We must forgive them. In a couple weeks, we're going to be talking about forgiveness. We need to build up to that one. It's a biggie. (laughs) But the disciples are right to identify their need here because their response to that is, wow, Jesus, if you're going to ask us to do that, we are clearly going to need more power than we have right now. Increase our faith. And Jesus responds to their implied response. What you're asking is too big for us, Jesus. By saying, if you have faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could tell that tree to jump up and throw itself in the sea and it would do it. So what is Jesus saying? He's using an example of the things that are right in front of them to tell them, if you need power to help you do what God is calling you to do, to help you forgive, you need to know there is more power available to you than you could even let yourself imagine. Don't underestimate what God can do in you. But then Jesus immediately goes on to tell a parable about a servant and a master. That the servant serves because he or she is a servant. They do what the master says. They don't look for reward or thanks for themselves. They just do it because that's the role that they are to play for the master. Now, it might seem like that teaching has nothing to do with the other one. You might think, why did Jesus finish this story about faith with this this master-servant parable. But it makes a lot of sense when you put them together. If in this call for us to live like Jesus, to forgive one another, we need power. Jesus reminds us there is more power available to us than we can even imagine, than we even think to ask. God will give you the power to do what you are called to do by faith, but... Don't get fixated on the power. It's not about the power, and the power of faith is not about you. If today, by faith, what we're doing is chucking mulberry trees into the ocean, it's only because our master has called us by his larger kingdom vision to do so as part of that bigger story, not because we decided to show off our faith power by chucking trees around. The power of faith is in and for our master's purposes. And when we're called to use it is as part of that larger story. But that is good news because our master is good and his kingdom purpose is also for us and it's so much bigger than we could ever imagine ourselves. But God will give us the power we need to walk this life in the purpose he gives us in faith. And he calls us in faith to live our unique chapter of this larger story of his love for the world. And because of what Jesus, our Savior, has done for us through his cross and resurrection, that kingdom has been opened wide for us to enter into it with him by faith. And one day we will see its brand new beginning. And it's so important that we realize this because the truth is, We cannot step back far enough from all of the world's influences and voices for us to see that picture in its entirety. But if we set our compass on Jesus day by day, we can trust that he will be faithful to bring us there. By faith, he will give us the power that we need one step at a time to see it all come to completion. 
Because ultimately, it's Jesus' power alone that will do this. As Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge the Father in all of your ways, and he will make your paths straight. Or, as in Hebrews 11, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. We are part of a bigger story, friends, of God's redeeming love for the world. And these dear saints in the Old Testament, they couldn't even yet imagine where the story of God's love for the world would lead, that God would so love the world that he would send his only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life with him. But they trusted the heart of the one who led them. For those people in Hebrews, their own chapter was quite a mystery to them. (laughs) They didn't know how their chapter would fit into the whole. And for us, we have the advantage of being able to look back and see how God used their stories to invite us into the story of his grace. And we have the example, we have the saving power of Jesus Christ who shows us God's faithfulness to us, that we can trust that Jesus will be with us every step of the way as we walk our chapter of this story. You see, faith is our compass, and Jesus' kingdom love is the force that draws us forward, for the one who calls us is faithful. When I was studying faith for this message, I found it interesting that when I did a word search through Bible Gateway on faith, I found that there were actually very few hits on the word faith in the Bible, but there were hundreds on the word faithful. So it seems, biblically, faith is demonstrated in faithfulness. A heart that's full of faith in Jesus will seek to be faithful to what he calls us to do and to be. And it's God's faithfulness to us that first draws us into faith in return. Or as Jesus says in John 14, if you love me, Keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. See, the one who calls us is faithful. We are not in this journey alone. He will be with us every step of the way. So this week, as we continue to walk this life off the map with all of the complexities and the questions and the uh, things that we don't understand and that we cannot know with our own eyes, Take some time this week to get some space from all the voices and all the confusing influences of the world. Take some time to let the compass of your heart reset on the voice of your true shepherd, to learn Christ, to learn Jesus' voice in the word, 
so you can recognize it in the world. Know the voice of your true shepherd because he is still faithful to lead you and me through this wilderness to his hope and his joy by faith. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know that we trust you. We thank you for your death and resurrection, for everything that you have done in faithfulness to God for us, for our sake. We trust you, Lord, but we confess sometimes we get derailed from what you actually call us to do. Sometimes we'd rather prove ourselves by how many mulberry trees we can throw in the ocean. We'd rather do that than forgive or surrender our will to yours. But you remind us that the power of faith is meant for your purposes. So we pray today that you would align us to your voice so that our lives might serve your heart in this world. We pray that you would teach us to listen and to lean in to the true north of your love. Guide our actions this week and every day by your truth and your word. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.